Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, Josh Pacheco and Hunter Hughes. Not a big reaction. I mean, I'm trying to remember when, what they won to affect this conference. I don't remember. You remember them winning anything? I don't remember them winning anything. Off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. Oh, Dan Lanning, University of Oregon head coach. Do you remember Colorado winning anything? Ouch. <laughs> it's, it's, you see someone going away. It's kind of like if you're in one of those big families, you've got maybe like 10 siblings. And I one, have five in mine. And, and one of those siblings decides, you know what? I've outgrown this family. I'm going to move to Montana and start a new life. I feel like that's how they think of me. And then, and then you go and say, uh, what have you done? <laughs> Do you want anything recently? Good, goodbye. That's literally me. <laughs> is it really? I'm the only of my five siblings that is not on the continental United States anymore. Did they wave at you and say, "What did you do? Win anything?" No, I mean it's not quite that bad, but it definitely is. Well, okay. <laughs> I guess he's still included on our Zoom calls. Oh, uh, yeah. That's... Love you guys. Happy birthday, Nana, by the way. Oh, nice. My grandma's birthday today. How perfect. Yeah. <laughs> should should ask her, hey Nana, uh is, was that how you uh was that how you felt about me leaving? Uh, no. She she I'm sure she's a sweetheart. She, she, she would probably jump way. on a plane to come out of here. So that, that's a horrible segue to what we were talking about with <laughs> Colorado leaving the Pac-12. But I wasn't going to stay there very long. I just I I liked the audio and yeah. I said, let's just what the heck, let's and just use it. To Oregon's defense, they're not wrong. No. Col- Colorado is at best an afterthought. Mm-hmm. At worst, the bottom of the barrel of the Pac-12. I mean, you can't tell me that they aren't the SEC's Vandy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Or and- at least Missouri. And, and you know that's, what? That's splitting hairs. It kind of is. <laughs> Depending on the year, that they're kind of jockeying for that position mm-hmm. last in the SEC. So I, I think Colorado is going to be right around there too. Um, man, I, I need to check their schedule right now because if, if Oregon and Colorado play each other, then that's certainly some, uh, some beef to kind of look forward to, Josh. Oh, it's not going to matter. Yeah. The only difference is Colorado's going to be so fired up, they'll only lose by 20 instead of 30. Mm. That's it. Um, but the news on that today, and we won't spend a ton of time on it, but um, Arizona has scheduled a meeting with the Board of Regents, and that's going to be coming up tomorrow. Um, Interesting. I mean, it, it, again, like Colorado, yeah. Arizona's probably the worst-kept secret. Um, they play know. Oregon on the 23rd of September, by the way. All right, Mark at, at Eugene. <laughs> Mark that down as a bludgeoning. Yeah. Um, but Arizona, apparently this thing might have to do with some some legal issues, um, you know, potentially with, with getting out of, of the Pac-12 conference. And also very interesting, uh, Stuart Mandel from, I think it's Sports Illustrated's reporting, that the Pac-12's commissioner, George Klivikoff, um, is apparently ready to, uh, to, to, to produce a television deal within the next 48 hours. Will it be too little too late? Uh, we will find out. But uh, it could be the last-ditch effort that the Pac-12 has in order to try to save the Pac-12. 
before wow. or after Arizona potentially leaves, which uh, it, it seems like will happen. But uh, I mean, we'll we'll find out. The next 24 hours will be really juicy. I hope you've uh, figured out your TV deal, my friend, because you're going to need it. I hope you figured out if TV will be involved yeah. in the TV deal yeah. or if we're going to need a smart TV. Streaming. Are we going to need a uh, Roku? Uh, are we going to need to have Apple TV Plus? What kind of apps are we going to need on our on our TVs? By the way, Apple or Roku, feel free to sponsor this show. Please, um, we would love your um, your interest. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll we'll take anybody <laughs> at this point. How was your weekend, by the way? Weekend was great. Um, on Saturday, Saturday was a day filled with UFC. Mm-hmm. That was a great card. A lot of really good fights, a couple great knockouts. And uh, and then yesterday, I went out to Wina, actually. Went out to the west side. Okay. And we hiked the uh, Miley Pillbox. Oh, wow. Yeah. Beautiful. And, How long of a hike is that? Uh, it was probably like a 30, 45-minute hike, and that was with breaks. Okay. So it's maybe three-quarters the distance of Cocoa Head. Okay. But steeper, I would oh. say. Yeah. Got to be mindful. Okay. Yeah. And there were mountain goats. D- did you know that we have mountain goats out here? No, I did not. There was a stinking wild mountain goat with horns not 10 feet from me staring into my soul. Well, well, to, to be fair, his eyes were staring in two different directions, but it felt like he was were staring the, into my soul. Were the horns going in two different directions? No, the horns were uniform, but the eyes okay. were going east and west. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Did you feel like it was going to come after you? No, n- never got never got th- to that point. I was more just puzzled, like, man, we have those out here? I knew we had them on Kauai. I saw them on the N- Nepali Coast Trail. Right. But, um... Yeah, like over on the west side, you just might run into a wild a wild mountain goat over there. Pretty crazy. That is that is crazy. How was your weekend? I was all right. I'll get to mine in a little bit. I want to finish up on yours. Sure. Uh, you had some good things as part of your weekend that I I don't want to let the audience uh, forget about. Let's let's start with UFC because okay. uh, you watched UFC 291. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things on that. Well, first off, uh, our boy Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, who we interviewed on Thursday, we mentioned on Friday. Um, you know, didn't end up fighting because yeah. his opponent was what three pounds overweight, and so the fight was off. Um, couple of areas where that branches out. One, he doesn't end up getting his show money, which mm-hmm. is a travesty. When I mean, the guy's forty, yeah. he's fought every year consistently for the last what twelve, thirteen years. Um, he's in maybe some of the best shape of his life. And he does all the work. He did nothing wrong, made weight, showed up, brought his camp. He was going to be on the main card. And because his opponent was on either I don't I don't want to cast blame. It's probably not fair. It could be he just physically couldn't do it because cutting weight's not easy. It could be that he was reckless and didn't try. I don't know, but his opponent doesn't. Or just had a little too much vinaigrette on that sandwich the it's, night before. It's very possible. Three pounds of vinaigrette. Go figure. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't get any money for it. Like, you punish the guy who did nothing wrong because your opponent couldn't take care of business. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, they don't have any sort of, alter- you know, an alternate system. And granted... The way that they time weigh in with the fight, you know, it's sometimes within uh, 
It's like within 24 it hours is. or less. I think less. it's 24 or less. And, and, if so you, it, and if you miss it the first time, like, you get a grace period to try to, like, cut it off. Like, if you're, like, a pound, yeah, you possibly could. Yeah, because a lot of these guys are going tremendously below what their natural body weight is. Like, um, like Alex Perea, for instance, gained 22 pounds Jeez. from weigh-in and fight time. Wow. 22 pounds in one day, That Josh. doesn't seem healthy. No, I don't think that is. I mean, if, if I had a 22-pound dumbbell right here, that, that, that is sizable. Like, you're telling me that yeah. came off of somebody and then we're putting it back in them? That's, that's intense. I, I'm, me not being the exercise guy, that's kind of like me carrying a, like a super-sized bag of dog food. There you go. Sorry, I'm just trying to. Just no, trying to, I'm trying to relate it on my comparison. Or the twenty pound bag of ice. Yeah, that thing's that thing's pretty heavy. But you see, that's you know these these athletes aren't unionized. Um, there's been calls for it before. Uh, I'm sure some guys have been given their show money in the past, and it seems kind of inconsistent. But man, I, it it just it for a guy who's been a lifer. Maybe he has been a lifer in the UFC, but he's been in in, in the promotion yeah. for a long time. How do you not take care of that person? It seems uh, it seems rather disrespectful. Maybe we only are seeing part of it. Maybe, maybe maybe there is some sort of a contingency plan where they can get a little bit of help in a situation like this, and maybe not you know substantial. I'm sure. Dana White's not interested in throwing money away. But for this case, it's not that guy's fault that he can't fight. And so, you know, if the other guy scratches or isn't able to make weight, you know, maybe you get five or ten grand out of it. Right. Yeah, I mean, because you still got to pay your training staff. Got to pay your training staff. I'm sure UFC puts you up for all of your your housing and your stay that week. Um, But it it is still a big chunk of your time, and you were ready to go out there and handle your part of the business. And it was too close to find a replacement opponent. It, it, you know, sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. So that's, you know, that's not helpful. Um, main event, you got to watch that yeah. uh, for the uh, BMF title. Yeah, um, one of the better roundhouse kicks that we've had in a long time. It kind of felt like Holly Holm dropping Ronda Rousey actually, mm-hmm. and. I'm so sorry if people haven't gotten to watch the fight or haven't watched the replay yet. I, I guess this show is about spoilers, but hey, that was two days it was ago. Two days ago. Okay, yeah. perfect. Uh, Gaethje <laughs> absolutely dropped Poirier right. with a high right kick that kind of caught him underneath the jaw and just put him to sleep. Uh, and to me, that was only part of the most impressive part of that fight. The other part was referee Herb Dean running in and sliding. Like he was trying to steal home to to put the the fight to a stop. That oh. part was impressive because Herb is bigger than both of those guys. He's a veteran referee. He is a vet. But and, a lot of those referees are also MMA fighters, mm, I've noticed. Yeah, and Herb is not a small dude. No. So to see that big brother run in there and slide and kind of what people said the uh, – uh, it looked like the people's elbow <laughs> being dropped on a lifeless Poirier on the on the, on the canvas. <laughs> that part was my favorite. Was my favorite the whole thing. Do you give Poirier two losses for that? I man, I felt bad. And when he's kind of regaining consciousness, he's like grabbing Herb's arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I know you were thinking it because you know it's it's not a 
weight class belts. That's right. Um, speaking of people's elbow, <laughs> I've started to almost observe in these last couple of cards that I've watched where the UFC is, I think, upping their showmanship a little bit, Josh, mm-hmm. where it used to solely be about pound for pound who's the best guy in each division or women, yeah. excuse me, um, and let that kind of be the end of it. It was a very kind of almost gen- gentleman-y kind okay. of uh, classy kind of a deal. Like you're here to, to beat this other guy and that's it. Right. There've been just an increase lately. I've noticed with some of the post fight antics with allowing a challenger in the weight division to come on. And like Israel Adesanya did that. That's right. Um, that whenever, got some controversy. Whenever Whitaker the, uh, went down and yeah. uh, Adesanya kind of came in and got in the guy's face. And um, yeah, so people would argue that's been going on for a little while. I've just noticed it kind of being turned up a little bit. And then, yeah. you know, this fight between Poria and Gaethje was not for the the title for their prospective weight division. Right. Both of these guys are kind of towards the end of their careers, mm-hmm. and it's almost like a celebrity a celebrity boxing match or a celebrity golf event if you will where it's a it's a special um head to head kind of a situation here yeah. and they're almost inventing something for them to fight for which i thought would maybe not be all that much uh i guess you would say incentive for them to go out there and get it done but it was they went out swinging yeah which i think the title bmf in its essence you got to go out there and earn that title yeah um but they have created a full-on belt to be won here and so my, my my thought here is you know is ufc beginning to take more of a WWE kind of alternative fighting entertainment kind of position because this is starting to become a different um, a different frontier from what UFC is kind of known for. For those that don't know, um, WWE and the UFC are owned by the same company. That's Endeavor. Right. Some people think Dana White owns the UFC. No, Dana White does not own the UFC. Not He's anymore. Just, uh, uh, he's he's the president, and he's had his share of issues, and yet they still, you know, em- employ him to to be the president and and be the matchmaker and all that stuff. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised because at the end of the day, um, you know, at, at at the end of the day, you're still there to create fights that people watch. Um, and so sometimes, yeah, if you create stuff like I, you know, I, I'm a big wrestling guy. I know you didn't get to watch wrestling when you were younger. Uh, I'm a big wrestling guy, so I hate unnecessary championships. Yep. Um, that annoys me. Sometimes it's a little too much, but I also realize it's wrestling. Sure. It's fake. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, not so much here. That's right. But I, and, and so I get it. They're they're good at promoting stuff and you can promote something without um yeah, you can you can promote something without uh needing the words around it. Just, That's right. You know. And but I think my thing with the UFC is always, you know, this is our closest thing to gladiators mm-hmm. from the olden days in in Rome. 
these guys are actually fighting each other. You can see when you know when skin splits, and yeah. you can see when guys get seriously injured. Um, I hate that we cheer for that. <laughs> um, but we're, it, we're such a ravaging for society. But in in all reality, that's what it is. And th- though some would critique that, that's actually what makes this sport special. Yeah. Um, and so with that being said, with these kind of new alternative titles or belts that they're fighting for, my question then just turns to the fighters, like, are they actually going to fight here? Right. Um, and it was a good fight. It was one of the, the better ones of the night. Um, so I think that's that's my kind of measuring stick there, Josh. Um, my 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 only other my only other thought is: Are they going to continue to create some of these alternative titles to go after? And maybe this is an unfair comparison, but th- this is about our leeway into the break, if you will. What is more important, the BMF belt or the NBA in-season tournament? Um, I mean, the BMF belt. I agree. I agree, and I didn't know about it until Saturday. Yeah. The in-season tournament just seems so dumb. That and drawn out, um, because it's going to be drawn out over a couple of months. And little incentive. Yeah. Uh, By the way, before we hit break, um, the other thing from that UFC made card— Derek Lewis taking off his shorts every you time. You loved that, huh? Oh, of course. Didn't he also throw his cup into the crowd, too? I didn't see that. I didn't see it either, but I did read that on social that oh, he took brother. off his shorts, grabbed his cup from underneath his shorts, and threw it out <laughs> in the crowd. Lucky person who got that. Uh, good luck. But, you know, on a on a more serious note, Derek's always been just kind of this goofy guy. Yep. And didn't take a lot of things seriously. And I think you could tell that by his results recently, dropping down to the to the prelims. He gets the call up to the main card because the Wonder Boy fight, you know, ends up not happening. And he had mentioned he was taking it seriously, that he was gonna give himself a six pack before uh before the fight. He actually kinda did, and then had one of the quickest um the quickest endings, uh, one of the quickest stoppages of the night. For real. Yeah, the flying knee yeah. from uh, I think he's two two eighty five, something like around that. around there. Yeah, he, he's a big man. Yes. Uh, I t- told you before the show, watching it with a bunch of ex military guys, and I just looked over. I'm like, that flying knee would kill any of us. <laughs> it literally would knock our heads right off our shoulders. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he jumped on the guy and finished him pretty quick. And that's kind of becoming his thing because back in COVID, he made that whole thing about. Uh, him being a little warm below yeah. the belt and yep. needing to take the shorts off. So <laughs> whenever he did that, the crowd absolutely went berserk. Oh, uh, except for the person who got the cup. Yeah. Probably like, Ugh. Uh, Levi Weaver from the Athletics is going to join us in about nine minutes. Major League Baseball's trade deadlines coming upon us tomorrow. Kevin Hickey uh, from USA Today's Colts Wire coming up at five o'clock. Jonathan Taylor wants out. Will that happen? All that and more coming up in just a little bit. Uh want to tell you about the Pigskin Pig Out, which is coming up on August 16th. It's the 26th edition at Murphy's. A roasted pig dinner, beverages, and a great auction. Get your tickets now at Murphy's or HawaiiBowlFoundation.org. It's off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. <laughs>
Hey, uh, coming up on uh, tomorrow's edition of the Sports Animals in the Morning from 7 to 9, Forrest Buckner is going to be on the program. That'll be cool. Uh, he'll be on the air in the 7 o'clock hour with Chris Hart and Gary Dickman. So make sure you listen in for that right after the Bobby Curran show from 6 to 7. The Punahou Monster. Yes. Um, we were talking about the weekend. Uh, we'll, we'll get into Major League Baseball's uh, trade deadline uh, coming up here in about eight minutes. So um, I got to see uh, Oppenheimer yesterday. Number, oh, nice. Number two in the box office again for the uh, second consecutive week. Um, Behind Barbie. That's right. That I haven't seen. Have you seen e- either of those? I have not. Okay. Um, Oppenheimer was really good. Like I, I could not recommend. Has it there enough. ever been a Christopher Nolan movie that wasn't good? Not that I can think of. Not Same. that I've seen all of them. Um, I just don't recommend watching a three-hour movie in a theater that has no working AC. That's all. Yikes. Um, so it was the final day of the Coco Marina. Um, theaters being open. They uh, they closed down yesterday. Wow. And so... End of an era. Yeah. So it was in our neighborhood. Um, and we figured, you know what? How often are you going to be able to watch Oppenheimer for seven bucks? Where usually if you go to a movie theater, it's nineteen fifty or 20 Easy. Or 21 if you go into one of those IMAX ones. So they, they gave you the, uh, the discount because they stopped paying for AC. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. It was... Uh, it it was not good. Um, the AC didn't seem to be working anywhere because you walk in to the to the lobby and you have all the people waiting in line and uh, to get food and it's hot. And it there. wasn't just the subconscious heat from the apparent radiation that you were watching <laughs> no, in apparently, Oppenheimer. Apparently, it was not. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was seven dollar tickets. AC pretty much not working. Um, you had free popcorn scoops for every ticket you had, mm. which is actually good. It kind of saved a save us about like seven bucks, which is kind of nice. nice. Um, Do you know that they used to show UH games? Yeah, at Coca Marina. Yeah, that was where that's where I used to, to go, go as a walk on <laughs> to watch UH football <laughs> when I was on the team. Uh, <laughs> can't get over that. Yes. Um, yeah, so there was there was that. It was free, but we did have to watch it there. Um, I didn't know. I was watching. Mm. Uh, I don't know if John Veneri's listening to us. I was watching uh, uh, Living Eight Hundred Eight, and apparently Kelly Simic, I think, was in the same theater I was in. Oh wow! Didn't realize. Yeah, it's dark. You can't tell who's who. Yeah. Um, and apparently she said, and I didn't see this. She said people were taking off their hats and their shirts and their jackets. Uh, did Someone, it smell? Uh, no, it didn't smell. Okay. Someone, I don't know who it was, went to the concession during the movie, grabbed one of those popcorn boxes just to fan themselves off <laughs> during the movie. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's a sad way to, to, to end that theater with a non-working AC and just piles of boxes next to the trash cans, which just look kind of, you know, just kind of disgusting. Um, but uh, that was... It's the one theater in that neighborhood. Now, if you're going to want to watch something, you're going to go to Kahala. So, uh, goodbye, Coco uh, Coco Marina 8, I think is what it was. That was number 8. That was, or, or I think 8 theaters. Oh, within, gotcha. Yeah, that's why it's Coco Marina okay. 8. Goodbye to them. Thanks for Oppenheimer for 7 bucks. Uh, we'll turn to MLB's <laughs> trade deadline coming up after Sports Center. Great to have you in. It is Off the Bench. Here on ESPN Honolulu, Hunter Hughes, 
Josh Pacheco, all of our guests when they appear, they do so courtesy of the Aloha Kia hotline. Visit alohakia.com at Aloha Kia. You know a guy. Levi Weaver joins us now from The Athletic. Uh, he's all over Major League Baseball, and he's with us now via said Aloha Kia hotline. I feel like I, I don't know how you are when it gets to trade deadlines. Uh, we're within 24 hours now, and I feel like I'm hitting refresh on X every about two or three minutes. I, I, I don't know what you do during the trade deadline, but I feel like my refresh button's getting a little worn out. Yeah, I, I so you you're you're going ahead and, you're going to go ahead and like uh, follow the brand the rebranding. I, I can't. I, I hate can't it. Call it X yet. I hate it too. It's still Twitter, dude. It always will be. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of that. It's a lot of setting notifications for a few people. So if you know I miss anything, my phone will let me know. You know, oh, Ken Rosenthal is announcing straight, and it's uh, keeping a running list because I got to write a newsletter about this. It's been crazy, and I think it'll probably be even crazier tomorrow because we've barely seen any hitters traded yet so far. It's been mostly all pitchers. Um, so I think all of those trades are going to go down either late tonight or uh, or early tomorrow. It's It's been a wild one. By the way, um, I still go to X by going to Twitter.com. So I'm not I'm not fully in on the branding yet. You know, one of one of the trades that went down today, uh, Paul Seawald going from uh, Seattle to Arizona and a whole former Hawaii athletics baseball player, uh, Josh Rojas, goes from Arizona to Seattle in that deal. I. I, I'm a little surprised, I guess, because I, I look at Seattle, um, you know, five and a half out of the West. I mean, yeah, they're in fourth place in the division, but they're three games above 500. I look at the wild card and Seattle's four and a half back of the final wild card spot with Houston. Um, are, are you a little surprised that that move was made? A little bit, yeah. I mean, it's it's an interesting contrast, right? Because you look at the the Mariners, like you said, they're not really that far out of it. Meanwhile, the the Angels, and of course, it's a completely different situation. They're trying to maybe do the the please don't leave me. I promise I'll try harder with Shohei Otani, but they're they're like only a half a game ahead of the Mariners right now, and uh, and then these teams now sort of taking opposite tacks at the at the deadline. You've got the Mariners looking like they're selling pieces off. The Angels are just hoovering up however much talent they can get their hands on for one last run at it. Um, it's been, I mean, and uh, not to mention Cleveland, who by the way is a half the first place in the AL Central and just traded Aaron Savali to the race for so like it's. It's confusing sometimes. Uh, I guess you know each team has their own strategy, and when they expect to like really, really contend, maybe for the Guardians, it's not worth it to get in and know that they're going to get smoked in the first round of the playoffs. They'd rather set up for more success later. But um, but yeah, it was. I was a little surprised to see Seawald uh, leave the Mariners for sure. You mentioned the Angels, and and I'll I'll go to them quickly because in the as you said. Please don't go. We'll try our best uh, situation with uh, with Shohei Otani. They do, you know, CJ Crone's back uh, now with the Angels. They also got Randall Grichik um, as part of that deal. Um, you know, they did get a couple of pitchers from the Chicago White Sox last week. Have the Angels done enough to convince Shohei or maybe more so right now, convince their fan base that they're doing enough to try to get to the postseason? To get to the postseason, yes. I mean, I think they're doing all they can. I think the trade for Giolito was a good trade. They needed another starting pitcher. Ronaldo Lopez helps bolster the bullpen. I mean, they also picked up Mike Moustakas, who I don't know if that's like a big impact acquisition, but it's, you know, add him to the pile. Um, do I think they've convinced 
Otani to stay. I don't. Uh, this all really does feel to me like sort of, yeah, I think you said earlier today, just like put all the cannonballs and all the forks, and if you've got any extra people that aren't doing anything, put them in the cannons too. We're firing it all off. We live or die today. Tomorrow doesn't, you know, there's no tomorrow. And if I am Shohei Otani and if I'm his people, I'm looking at this team and going, okay, they've got no uh, farm system. They're, they've depleted the farm system to go all in this year, which great. That's fun. Go for it. Like that's, it's always fun to go for it. Um, but that's not going to be a good team in a year or two. Their budget is already pretty big. If they do sign Otani, it's not like he's coming back on a one-year deal for $5 million, right? Like that's going to be a probably close to a 10-year deal, probably close to $600 million. They're going to have to fix the roster next year too if they sign him, and they're going to have to bring in – you know, they won't have the budget really to surround him with good players long-term. So I don't think it's going to be a long-term fit for him there. I think he goes elsewhere. Um, but – you know, if you're the if you're the guys who had Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, and every off season for three or four seasons, everybody goes, oh, it looks like the Angels might make a run out this year. Maybe this is the year that they make the playoffs, and you don't. You know, you're probably getting fired anyway. So why not go for it for one grand like blaze of glory? And then if you go out, at least you went out fighting. The Athletics' Levi Weaver is joining us courtesy of the Aloha Kia Hotline here on ESPN Honolulu. Levi, I wanted to jump over to the Cubs just for a second. Um, The Cubs are four games behind the Reds in the NL Central. Now, they obviously made a move today to grab uh, Candelario from the Nets. uh, Sorry, from the Nats uh, at third base. Do you think that, similar to what you're talking about of making that move at this point in the year for the Angels, is it too much too late for the Cubs in, I mean, a division that's pretty much dominated by the Reds at this point of the year? Yeah, you know, the, the Cubs were an interesting one because a week ago I think everybody was like, you know, TikTok, let's go, let's get these trades done, Stroman's out, Bellinger's out. And then Talkman makes that catch at the wall and it seemed like everything turned on a dime. Um, as I think it was maybe as recently as yesterday, I looked at all the teams in, in wildcard contention in the National League and the only team that had a winning record in their last 10 games was the Cubs. Like, everybody's fading at the same time. Mm. Meanwhile, the Reds uh, are exciting. I love watching the Reds. Ellie De La Cruz is great fun to watch. He does everything with panache, and he's just, uh, I hope he stays in the league for 25 years. But their, their pitching has been a little shaky. Now, they've got a couple of guys coming back, but... Uh, well, let's see what they do in the next, uh, what do we got, about 20 hours, 20-something hours left before the deadline. I don't know that the Reds are consistent enough to really be a team that you go, well, geez, they're four games up, we're never going to catch them. Like, the way that the Cubs have played lately, it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility that they could catch the Reds. And if not the Reds, one of those wildcard teams. Um, the Cubs... I, the Cubs were always better than their record. Like their Pythagorean record this year was always like a pretty good team. They were scoring a reasonable amount of runs. Their pitching was okay. They just happened to lose these games. And so I think the Cubs are sneaky good and finally have started to put it together a little bit. I would not be surprised to see them really kind of go and make a run at it in August and September. The, the question is, did they switch from the seller mindset to the buyer mindset quickly enough? to make additions that are really going to make a difference. Because when you decide with like two days left, all of a sudden you're sort of switching all those trade talks that you had had. And, you know, other teams, you look at the Rangers, they traded for a Roldis Chapman a month ago. They knew they were going to be buyers mm-hmm. and jumped in early and handled business. So 
it's kind of a quick switch midstream for the Cubs, but they, they've been a lot of fun to watch lately. Levi Weaver joining us from The Athletic here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, let's talk about the Yankees because uh, the Yankees have one of the more difficult stretches in baseball right now. They lose today to the uh, Tampa Bay Rays 5-1. to one. We're talking about a team that just lost 2-3 of three to Baltimore. Uh, they lose to one of the best teams in the AL East here. Uh, what do they do? Because I, I was just reading a little while ago, they may be open to trading guys like Harrison Bader and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Um, where do the Yankees end up sitting in all this? Because you feel like last place in the division, the division's out, but the wild card still is potentially in play for them. What do they do? Boy, that that is the hardest question you've asked me because I don't know. Like they have they have enough talent on the roster that they should be better than they are, but they just haven't been. And yeah, some of that has been injury related, and you know they've had some tough luck, but. So have a lot of teams. I mean, look at the Braves. They had a ton of injuries and just powered right through, and it didn't even seem to bother them. So if I were the Yankees, I think they're they're in a slightly different situation because they're the Yankees, and their fan base just demands every year. You know, if it's not a World Series win in the Bronx, then it was kind of a failure. It's hard for that franchise to admit on July 31st or August 1st, like, all right, white flag, we're going to rein it in for the rest of the year. It, it would just be miserable in, in New York City for, you know, anybody that has anything to do with the Yankees because the expectations were, and rightly so, I think, pretty high for them this year. Um, but that's an aging roster. I mean, all of their stars, their big-name guys, are in their 30s getting older. And, I mean, not, you know, Volpe is young, but most, you know, Stanton and Rizzo and all these guys are starting to get up there in years. I think the hope might have been, you know, keep it together long enough to really eke the last bit of talent out of these guys. But it, they're starting to look kind of washed. And frankly, I would probably pull it in and trade whatever has value. And, you know, they're going to have the budget to, to make free agent moves this year. So they're, they're not going to go through like a long, lengthy, you know, five years of 100 losses rebuild like most teams would have to. But, yeah, it might be time to pull in the sales for this one. You know, I was going to say, like, you know, can you blame Aaron Judge being hurt for what happened to this team, or is it a little more deep seated than that? I mean, that's a anytime you lose somebody of that caliber, yeah, it's a big deal. Um, I think probably what it did was expose kind of a lack of depth in the lineup more than anything. Like he was sort of carrying the offense a little bit, and when when you lose the one guy that's really really productive. If you do have a lineup like the Braves where you got, I don't know, what, like seven or eight guys with an OPS of over 850, then you lose somebody, you know, you lose your best player. Yeah, okay. I mean, the Rangers are another example. Corey Seager was out with a hamstring injury for uh, five, six weeks. It didn't really bother them. They had a good, deep enough lineup that they may do without him. They were fine. Um, the Yankees, I think, just the rest of those guys were not producing enough. So you kind of can blame it on Aaron Judge, but it's hand-in-hand with, you also have to blame it on the fact that the rest of the lineup really wasn't producing. Great insight from Levi Weaver. You can check out his work at The Athletic. Levi, thanks for giving us a little bit of your time. We appreciate it. Of course. Anytime. All right, Levi and all of our guests appear courtesy of the Aloha Kia hotline. Visit alohakia.com at Aloha Kia. You know a guy. What would you do? I mean, the Yankees are... They're in last place in the AL East. Facts. Nine and a half um, games back from first. Facts. But wild card. Yep. Four games back. I right. just looked at it. Right. What would you do? You're you're ahead of the Angels in the wild card. Yep. 
you're ahead of Seattle in the wild card, and Seattle seems to be selling. The Angels seem to be buying. I don't know if they got to make any drastic moves, to be honest. But okay. then again, that's it's the Yankees. Yeah, who are we kidding? They're going to be moving pieces like a checkerboard and hopping and asking people to king them <laughs> in minutes rather than hours. So I I would let it play out. You're just getting Judge back. He's only a couple games off from coming off of uh, being injured for all that extended amount of time. They've got a great team, some of the one of the best uh, bullpens in all of baseball. I, I say let it eat and see where things um, kind of sift themselves out at the end of the season because, I mean, you look at Baltimore. I love the, the story with Baltimore. Don't get me wrong. And right. I love the story with the Rays. I just wonder if those teams have the longevity. Yeah, I mean, all it takes, I mean, you're, when you say longevity, are you thinking longevity like to get through the end of October or are you yeah. thinking longevity I'm, longer I'm looking at the next two and a half months. Okay. And where everybody's going to be around then. See, I don't know if the Rays have that. Uh, we see you guys on the phones at 808-296-1420. I don't know that the Rays have that. Uh, they've been scuffling as of late. They yep. got badly beaten by Houston on Saturday. I feel like Baltimore's got it. Um. Two or three from the Yanks. I think Toronto's got it. Uh, they're a wild card contender. But, yeah, I, I, I do think the Rays, who did make a trade today, getting Savali uh, from the Guardians, I think they do need help. But they haven't shown recently that um, they are capable of surviving this thing through to, uh, through to October. Let's say hi to Neil real quickly here. Neil, what's up? Hey, what's up, boys? That, it's cracks me up. I didn't have to put my name in there. <laughs> um, yeah, I already know what it is, man. Yes, but, we do. Um, but, you know, here's the thing, man. Um, Hunter, you made a really interesting comment about the Yankees, that they're going to be moving pieces like a checkerboard. And I don't know if that was a slip or anything, but I think that's the problem with the Yankees. Is It's not chess. It's moves. checkers. They're, they're, they're going to make moves like a checkerboard. Yep. Whereas I think... Whereas I think the the Angels, honestly, with what they're doing, trying to lock um, Shohei down and, and buying up, uh, you know, the guys that they see, they feel they need, I think they're making the chess move. Yeah. And who the heck knows what Seattle's doing? I'm a Mariners fan, and I don't know what the heck they're doing. <laughs> you know, but, I mean, I think that is the difference. I think that, you know, and because they're playing checkers in what should be a chess match, that's why I don't think the Yankees are going to necessarily be there. It could pay off for them, let's be honest. But, I, you know, I just I see the Angels doing the right things to make a run deep into the playoffs. And I'm hoping they will, honestly. Yeah, we'll see. Hey, they Neil, certainly uh, do. Yeah, Neil, good to hear from you. Thanks, my friend. Um, Thanks, Neil. Let's get our M Dyer Global scoreboard in here. Brought to you by M Dyer Global, moving Hawaii into the future. Uh, Yankees lose.
as we uh, mm-hmm. talked about earlier, 5-1 to the Tampa Bay Rays. Angels up on Atlanta, one of the best teams in baseball, 4-1 Angels. Uh, that's in the top of the ninth inning. Baltimore up 4-2 on Toronto as they go to the ninth. Bottom five, Reds up on the Cubs, 6-4. Astros 4-2 lead on Cleveland, bottom of the sixth inning. Just underway in Seattle, Red Sox up 1-0 in the first. Diamondbacks, Giants, no score. And a rain delay in Colorado between the Rockies and the Padres. And coming up tonight, Team USA taking on Portugal to wrap up group play. Team USA, I think it's win or draw. We'll get them in uh, to the knockout stage. Uh, So that's tonight. 9 p.m. Hawaii time. Uh, you can watch that on uh, on the good old Fox. Uh, that's where it's on. That's uh, that's our M Dyer Global scoreboard. M Dyer Global always on the move. It's off the bench. ESPN Honolulu. If I never come through, yes, it haunts me. Hey, lots of good stuff coming up uh, Friday. Sports Animals will be at UH Football Fall Camp from uh, 7 to 9 a.m. Looks like uh, Chris Brown is going to outmuscle Chris Hart just after the 7 a.m. hour. I love you, Chris. That's not going to be much effort for Mr. Chris Brown. I hope Chris Hart takes that as a challenge. Yeah, uh, might get a couple of other guests. It's Friday, uh, seven to nine a.m. Maybe they'll ask you what those blue thingies are. Yeah, if for those listening, if you want to see the closest physical example of what the Rock looks like in person, come down and just take a gander at our linebacker coach. <laughs> yeah, Coach Chris Brown is the real article. Yep. Uh, I do want to ask you a little bit more about practice, yeah. uh, but we'll do that coming up in a little while. Oh, one other thing. Uh, so uh, so Jordan Helley was on um, with Chris and Gary this morning, mm-hmm. and I think it was Chris who asked, has there ever been a show that you have done without a hat on? Me. Yes, you. Tons of times. Tons of shows. Yep. Okay. Which, the, it's just funny to me that the uh, station uh, manager... Uh, <laughs> Of, of ESPN Honolulu doesn't know that, but it, it, that's okay. Wow. That's okay. So you're, you're saying Chris needs to watch more episodes no, I mean, just, of Hawaii Football Now, which just turned 100 episodes 100. last week. Yep. Congratulations. Thank you. We hit triple digits last week. That's, uh, that's a had, good accomplishment. And had Timmy in there. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. We'll talk more about that uh, coming up. Our Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420. I think this is an Angels fan who says uh, – from the 780, want Otani to stay because of Bally Sports West. Huh. I mean, uh, so so what if what if he got traded to the San Diego Padres? Then well, it's not going to happen. Then you'd watch him on the Padres channel, which is uh, channel 230 on Spectrum, because uh, Bally doesn't have them anymore. Or the Dodgers. Yeah, the Dodgers and Spectrum Sportsnet, mm-hmm. uh, which I believe is also on Hawaiian Telecom. Uh, if you're you're one of those that ha- – or is it? I don't remember. It's been a while since I've had Hawaiian Telcom. Uh, one other from the 208. Looks like Arizona is adios yeah. from the Pac-12. Whoa. We, we talked about this a little while ago. We know there is a uh, Board of Regents like, special meeting tomorrow. It was just added to the agenda today. Uh and because it's, you know, one of those secret things, you know, they can't exactly say what it is, but yep. it very much appears that um, it very much appears that it's going to be about the Pac-12 and whether they want to stay in it. 
Pete Thamel does note something here. Um, he has a he has a column on ESPN.com, latest on Pac-12, Big 12, and ACC, and he notes, and this is just in the tweet. I, I didn't even go through the whole column yet. Look for Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah to band together in solidarity. So either this Arizona thing is a whole smokescreen, and it doesn't mean anything. And by solidarity, he means staying in the Pac-12. Or just whatever it is that either do. doesn't have to be in the Pac-12. All three of them are sticking together. Yeah. Gotcha. So it could be, it it could very much be that um, if Arizona's out, then maybe the other two are out too. Wow. And then the Big 12 gets to their 16, and, um, you know, they they stop right there. That could very well be the play. Wow. And if Arizona stays, I mean, the, the Pac-12 is going to offer up a deal here at some point, whatever that deal is going to be um, with, with television. Is it good enough? We'll, we'll find out. Is there any TV in it? We'll find out. But here's the other thing. What's the latest from Florida State and ACC? So this gives the idea the ACC may not necessarily be all hunky-dory right now. Wow. If the talk is about potentially Florida State maybe looking out and we hear maybe potentially the SEC is a part of that. Wow. This is going to get wild. And, you know, um, tomorrow is going to be interesting because that that meeting takes place tomorrow and we'll find out how serious this might actually get. That basically just means that if those schools were to go, the Pac-12 would just be the coastline. (laughs) Or done or washed away. Sports Center's next. Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, Josh Pacheco and Hunter Hughes. All right, somebody who knows football. Hunter, what do you call those blue thingies? Pads, thank you very much. <laughs> Did you see how disappointed Hunter was with the question I asked him? Yeah. Off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. I really didn't mean to sound condescending. <laughs> but I mean... I really is there, didn't. Is there any other way to sound? Oh, man. I was more caught off guard than anything. And you know what, Josh? Like, it's always been my my goal, my hope, my desire is for any of my friends, including Chris and Gary, yeah, who maybe didn't play sports, right, to not make them feel outsiders or out yeah. of the loop. Uh-huh. You know what I I want to I, I go through this a lot of my friends whenever they come and pick up the game of golf. Okay. Um golf has a very steep learning curve. There there's a lot of lingo, there's a lot of um etiquette, things that you do, things that you don't do, mm-hmm. that there's kind of rigid rules associated with the game of golf and my my hope has always been that they would feel welcome, that they could experience it and that it would be um something that they could be warm and welcomed into. So with that being said, like I, I never want it to come off like, come on, you idiot. Those are pads. <laughs> like I don't want that to be my vibe. I want that to be very clear. It was more, I walked onto the field. They go, Hey Hunter, what are those blue things? Th- those are pads. That, that's what I said. Well, I think what, I, I think what played to the bit was, we couldn't hear you. I mean, yeah. well, I, I could barely, you could I had, barely I, get me. I had yeah. to do processing on that audio to boost in, it. in order to boost you. 
Yeah, because um, I'm like five feet away from the table. Right. You have no microphone on you. You are literally, as you said, you are literally a bystander. Yeah. Um, going in there and having to answer about pads. I I think I think you did the listener a favor. They couldn't see it. It's true. You you did them a favor. You explained that there were pads at practice. It's, Just <laughs> there's a lot of pads hear. at practice. <laughs> there are many. There are many different types of pads. That's at right. Practice. Very. That's very good. Yes, it, it's true. We'll we'll do at some point. And I'm and I'm not I'm not doing this to sound condescending either, uh, or to sound like I am. I, I don't know. Maybe we do a video with our digital team on obscure football objects. Hey, Hunter, what is this? <laughs> That's a cone. <laughs> That's a yard marker. That's a cone? Yeah. That's uh that that's a that's a trash bin. Hey, I have an idea. Since we're on the pads thing. Yeah. I agree. We should work with uh Cuz we our... did, we went through this last year with Chris. Oh, did we? I yes. forgot about that. Me and him hosted the sports animals. That's right. From cause, practice cause last Gary year. Cuz Gary was on vacation, That's I right. Believe. And he did the same thing with me and asked me about the trash cans. <laughs> what are those and how are they helping us win games? That was what he asked me. So I, I, I'll throw this out. Um, I, I don't know if anybody from our digital team is listening, but I'll, I'll throw this out. Let's do a series. Let's get you on the field and let's get every type of pad. Yeah. And you explain <laughs> this type of pad is for this use. Yeah. This type of pad is for that use. I don't know how many pads you'd have at practice. I mean, but... I'm thinking of like at least 10 right off the top of my well, head. There we right go. Now. I think we could do a whole series on this. It's not a bad call. You know, the, 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 the sisterhood, they have that, um, they, they have that where, you know, they, they teach women the game of football, right? Maybe we could do it with the sisterhood. Like you put a pad down and you ask them what, what that's for. And then they try to guess what the the use of the pad is. Even better. That's not bad. Even better. Yeah, that's better if they tried to guess it. No, I've got a better one than that. Let's do a a a pad or a <laughs> a practice apparatus. Yeah. Trivia contest. There we go. Members of the sisterhood. Yep. Against Chris Hart. Perfect. Who that's would win? Great. Who would win? My money's on Sherry. <laughs> Or anybody, anybody from the sisterhood, right. for that matter. Yeah, I can't see. I left my phone in the other room, that so would be I don't. Great know, I don't know if I'm getting in trouble right now, but uh, if if I am, I'll find out in ten minutes. Man. Um, speaking of, it just is... squinting at you know an obscure <laughs> pad. What is this? Which which pad does this go to? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> speaking of UH football practice, I, I know you're going again tomorrow. Um, you've been there uh, for a good chunk of it as we enter uh, mm -hmm. the full first week and uh, week number two in actuality. Uh, I know there was some stuff written over the weekend about some, uh, let's, let's just say some skirmishes mm -hmm. might be the best way to put it. Yep. Um, led to some running, led to, um, you know, Timmy Chang was not thrilled about that. Uh, let me ask you, because you guys are seeing each other. You're not seeing another opponent. Yep. Um, how common is it? How big of a deal is it? Yep. Extremely common. Um, if it's a one-off, it's no big deal at all. Okay. If it's a repetitive thing and guys are putting their 
selfish needs or desires in front of the needs of the team or listening to the coach and the culture that they're trying to create, that's a bigger issue. Um, typically, fights will start to break out in week two. So this is right at the end of week one. Mm-hmm. So it's, in my mind, off of my rough evaluation, it might be a touch early to start seeing that. But it always happens, Josh. I mean, it always happens. Is it more along the lines of how far it goes rather than the fact that it happens? Yes. Yeah. Usually there's something on the daily. Um, offensive line, defensive line, they play a completely different game than everybody else. They're in the trenches. They physically have someone in their face every down of football. Um, It's a bad day as a quarterback if you get hit on the the shoulder pad once. Mm, True. Um, Kickers never get touched. Um, Wide receivers there can be days where you catch 10 passes and no one touches you at all. Um, same with DBs. Um, the the game that is played in the trenches is totally different. You're getting stepped on. You're getting um, guys falling on you. You're, you're getting physically moved around and you're moving someone else around. It's a very physical thing that, hey, at the end of the day, we're emotional people. We're, we're humans. Yeah. That, that There's going to be a reaction there. And Guys are fighting for positions at this point in camp. They're 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 fighting to get on the field as starters, and the only way that that happens is full exertion, a hundred percent effort. And in that environment, you're there's there's going to be some chippiness because you've got guys that are big physical presence people, and that, that that's just what's going to happen. And then it really comes down to the tolerance level of a coaching staff. I, I think that's, right. that, that's um. I would say that's probably an interesting thing to juggle because, you know, you you like the competitiveness. Yep. Um, of course, you'd love to see that done cleanly, but we you know there's testosterone around. You got guys who've seen each other every day for how long? You yep. know that's that's impossible. But you want to find that balance between hey, you know, these guys are chippy because they're being competitive. They want to win. They want to earn their spot on the field as compared to. Um, these guys are wasting their energy. Like I'm thinking of, um, is it Kevin Stefanski last week, mm. the uh, uh, Cleveland Browns head coach? He had his guys running sprints because he's like, "You guys got enough energy to fight, all right? Well, we're gonna let that energy out with you running." Yeah. And and honestly, and that one was pretty cheap. Honestly, I watched that fight from the from the Browns practice. Uh-huh. Uh, a player slapped another guy and ran away. So. That's just okay. Some, I got a problem with that. Yeah, that's just some bush league stuff. Yeah, that you don't do. In You're the gonna pros. slap someone? Stay in there and take it. Hundred percent. Don't slap and run. Yes. Um, a linebacker did that to an O lineman. Okay, that guy needs to not be a linebacker anymore. That's right. Sorry. Um, I think of linebackers is really really tough, and the guys that are in there and enforcing and being physical and running around the field and laying guys out. And if you're smacking someone and running away, yeah, I'm sorry, you're you're a poser in that position. Yeah, you know, back to your your sorry, uh, no your your, your point. It's a it's a chain of command thing, mm-hmm. and it's a situation to a situation. Um management kind of a kind of a gauge if you will because I think most coaches will give players the benefit of the doubt where hey one or two times out there it it could be two totally different situations but if it's a repeated thing then 
Timmy, if he doesn't directly talk to the player, will definitely talk to the position coach of that player to get a better gauge on him as a person. Like, hey, how's he doing? Okay. Um, what what's going on with with him? Uh, with with schooling, with with family. That that because we're again we're we're dealing with kids here. Right. We're we're dealing with uh, college um, student athletes that um that there's much more going on in their lives than just football. I that's how I would approach it and in the healthy team environments that I've been around that that's usually how it goes. It sounds like um if they were running sprints probably on Saturday what that sounds like to me was it it got to a point where either it was not a good practice and then you had that happen or it's at a situation where you've just seen enough of it and you're just you're going to set an example and set a tone yeah, I remember I was talking to, to to Bobby Curran over the weekend, and he was describing it to me. He one of the things he said to me was he's never heard Timmy sound like that, mm. and and he's known Timmy for a long time back to his playing days and and all that. He's never heard him sound like the way he sounded in trying to put all of that stuff to an end. Yeah, so um, he definitely has that gear that he can shift to, which I believe is absolutely essential when you're a head football coach Mm -hmm. you have to assert yourself as the alpha dog out there or they will not listen to you uh rollo went through that i think this new era of player coaches who thrive off of relationship are going to run into that more oftentimes than not versus the old school todd graham um, Norm Chow ways of coaching. It was very militaristic. It was very my way or the highway. Um, less about you as the individual, more about the entire unit. Um, I remember Rolo, you know, talking to us about that line between friend and coach being one that was a difficult line to walk. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, Timmy's uh, finding ways to kind of pull back the reins on these guys. And, hey, we, we all feel it when we're out there. The, the vibe and the, the energy and the, the spirit of the team is amazing. I think it's time to, you know, different points in camp to kind of crack the whip a little bit to get these guys where they need to be. You, you guys talked about it with Timmy last week, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was kind of along those same lines. It was, yeah. On Hawaii Football Now, you know, he was talking about – we have no problem being cool, uh, going to the beach and kind of ha- living that chill aloha um, spirit within the locker room. The, the, the part that the guys need to um, kind of tighten the screws on is when it's time to play, like that, that warrior, that, that dog coming out of us and that level of excellence meeting that bar. And so it's kind of a, a delicate balance to, to kind of reach there because when you look at last season, our losses came at um, a total of only 30 points differential right there. So right. our a lot of our losses were one-score losses. So we're, we're that close from just tipping over the edge and wins starting to come down, um, come down the pipeline for us. And Timmy was telling the guys, guys, we're having fun. It's so much more fun when we're winning. So I think they're trying to establish that within the team right now. And uh, I, I even watched it with a few of the leaders on the team, like um, Logan Taylor's obviously always keeping guys in check. Tylen Hines is out there getting on guys, running between drills. Um, it, it, those little decisions really do pay dividends on the field. Let me ask you, um, let me tap into your former player self. How long did it take 
for a, for teams that you've been on to go from okay, hey, we've got this, you know, we, we've we've got this culture before we've even gotten into practice to be able to switch from this is what we've been to now. Okay, we are fully locked in practice game mode, whatever whatever that right lock in is, because you're hearing Timmy talk about it, right? You know, we've got this Aloha vibe, yet at the same time. Um, we need to get locked into what we need to be. Like, how long did it take for for teams that you were on? It it kind of just depended. Um, we went through a very similar transition to what a lot of the guys went through last year, um, going from the Norm Chow era into the Rolo era, where we were used to having very very tight leashes, if you will, with mm-hmm. what was expected and how practices ran. And then all of a sudden, Rolo comes around, and it's like, whoa, there are no leashes, and feels like this guy loves us. Mm. <laughs> and we aren't just a number. We're a person, and he's addressing us as such. Um, for us walk-ons, uh, the way that Rolo treated us was night and day from how the, the Chow administration treated us. So The fact that he called it the Chow administration I mean, it tells really you was, everything man. you need to know. It was. I mean, we stood at attention in – player meetings whenever he walked in really yes what yes so I'm like like a militaristic hundred percent really hundred percent wow and until and when he got up front he said you may be seated my gosh yes so the the difference from that to rollo allowing us to have a say in the type of music that we would play at practice um he encouraged us to bring our style our personality to the way that we played um that's why you saw guys like john ursua and dylan collie just explode in their route running because they brought that swag that they already embodied to playing the position so it it took a little bit to shift from that um strict reality into kind of that looseness um and really it wasn't until we left my my uh, my class that the 2018 team really embodied the fullness of what Rolo was trying to create. So it do, it takes time, Josh. Keep your your texts coming in at 808-296-1420 via the Zephyr Insurance text line. I want to get a vibe from you when we come back. Um, at what point do you start looking at um, you know Hawaii's offense? I think it's it's fair to say defense is ahead of offense right now. At what point do we start looking at that a little bit differently or start seeing strides made? We'll talk about that uh, coming up on the other side. Traffic right here. It's off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, coming up. Are we staying up late for soccer? Uh, That's coming up in uh, about 10 minutes. Uh, Hunter Hughes is here. Josh Pacheco, well, we're always here. It's off the bench on ESPN Honolulu. Or should I say, Hunter's always here. You haven't missed a show. Haven't. I've missed a few. Yeah, that's okay. You're always here. I'm gallivanting around every once in a while. I'm trying to make it a full year. Trying to go a full year without missing any shows if I can. Good luck. Yeah, (laughs) we'll see. Um, Let's go back to what we were talking about earlier with – uh, Hawaii football. I think it's clear, right? I, I don't. I don't know that this is an exaggeration. Defense is ahead of offense at this point, mm-hmm. but that's also not a surprise, right? Yeah, I, I I've talked different times 
for the last few weeks that felt like it was going to be a steep fall for us with where our wide receiver core and the QBs were um, just in installation of the run and shoot and then understanding and flow. There's, it's, uh, it's almost like getting a brand new computer, Josh, with a brand new operating system. You, you're not going to have all of the hot keys down on your computer. You're not yeah. going to have all of your shortcuts, uh, your preferences, your style, your flow. It's, it's going to take some, some time of getting used to all of that. Finding your buttons. There you go. Finding your buttons. Your email and might look a little bit different. Shifting back to football, like finding <laughs> your guys, who you think is going to win matchups. And you might even think someone's going to win a matchup, but if they th- are reading a different defense than you as the quarterback are reading, the ball is going in a completely different direction from where that guy ends up. Mm-hmm. So there's – there's a lot of trust that's needing to be built. And then, you know, with that too, intelligent play calling and decision-making from the coaching staff. And, you know, Coach Morrison's been down there with uh, with Coach Timmy advising him on uh, how best to implement the run and shoot at this point of the year. So, um, yeah, it's just it's just week one, and I'm I'm really excited. I think we're going to be – we're going to be ready by game one. At what point does the offense – match where the defense is. is 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 there i mean is there even a playbook to that yeah i don't i, I don't necessarily know about that but okay. i in my experience practices where the offense obliterates the defense is actually not good for morale interesting for the whole team okay it it's expected from the offense that we score touchdowns and if you ever come to a practice the celebration from a defense on a turnover or a stop is a 10 versus a four whenever the, the offense scores a that touchdown. Yeah. It's always like that. So it's almost a delicate thing of continuing to keep the defense excited because it pulsates for the entire team. Mm-hmm. I, I've just always, I've always observed that. And maybe other teams are different, but different Hawaii teams, even our best offenses, it, it bodes well for the entire team when the defense is playing well. I guess it, it feels a little different only because we know where the offense is trying to get to, right? And so it, it feels like if there's a mistake in practice that maybe from the outside we might amplify it. Maybe it is amplified inside. I, I don't I don't know, but I think there's there's so much more scrutiny on the offensive end that it does make it seem like, okay, if the defense is dominating – finding the perspective and why that is in relation to where the offense is trying to go. If that makes sense. Sure. And you know, in contrast to where we were at this point last season, there's tremendously more completions at practice, tremendously more in game speed, game timing that will translate to completions on the field. Mm. Um, I think they are still ironing out in some ways, who our starting four wide receivers are going to be. Uh, they're, they're changing, from my observation, a, a few different personnel here and there. Okay. Um, and I, I think that's good. I, I love having a deep wide receiver core that, that can run the same concepts out there because fresh legs means more speed on the field and more and more yards being gained. How deep is that in, in, in 40 seconds? How deep is the wide receiver core? from your perspective uh at least seven or eight guys okay right now uh it's it's 
difficult to name the starting four. Um, we won't see that until probably week week three when we change from just practice to preparing for Vandy. And that's whenever you'll incorporate scout team, pennies, offense, defense, split the field up like that. I was, uh, by the way, I was surprised. Uh, I was talking to uh, to our digital uh, director, Chanel Sutsuse, earlier, yeah. who reminded me, we are 27 days from the football season starting. It just hit me like, bam, we're right there. We really are. Man. Uh, coming up, traffic here. Sports centers on the way. What is it going to take to stay awake for UH, uh, U.S. soccer? Off the bench, ESPN Honolulu. <laughs> Gotta love uh, those who love their soccer. Our Zephyr Insurance text line has a soccer fan from the 722. What did you guys think of the Irish League soccer title match? You know, the Brits call Irish football soccer. And then, breaking news. Crew defeat Club America 4-1. to one. League Cup. The look you're giving me of bewilderment <laughs> is um, exactly the look I'm giving my phone right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I don't I've never watched Irish league soccer and uh yeah, don't don't know about the other stuff. But I do know uh about the FIFA Women's World Cup. I was just telling you over the weekend. I spent I I probably lost some sleep over watching uh Women's World Cup because now it's to the point where um it's the end of group play, so the 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 groups are playing at the same time simultaneously. So uh, for example, Team USA, when they play today, uh, they play against Portugal 9 o'clock tonight. Um, at the same time, the other match in group play is going on, which is uh, in that group, which I think is Group H, mm. uh, Vietnam and the Netherlands. So that's all at the same time. And, and the, both of those matches are important because um, Team USA is not a lock to, uh, to get in. They still, you know, they need to win, I think, or draw in order to uh, get onto the knockout stage, a loss against Portugal, uh, they would probably need some help in order to uh, in order to get there. So it's uh, it's a little bit of pressure on Team USA. It's a pressure that, frankly, I don't think they've felt in a while. Mm-mm. This is uh, this is why it's so interesting. About it. it's not Group H, it's Group E. I apologize. Um, Usually we talk about Team USA and it is okay they're they're automatically onto the knockout round. You know, they are the World Cup favorite. Um, you know, all that stuff that's it seems like it's a given. It seems like it's automatic. That draw against the Netherlands in that second match we were watching that here. Yeah. Um kind of changed that narrative a little bit because Okay, Netherlands is not bad. They're they're good. They're tied with the U.S. four points apiece yep. at the the top of the table in Group E, um, but that that kind of ended the whole. All right, it's it's a done deal. They're going on to the round of sixteen. It's only a matter of time till till we see them playing for for a third World Cup. Like that 
just kind of ended it there. And we haven't seen that in a while. This is a different pressure that Team USA is facing that we're not accustomed to. Yeah, it showed that we're gettable. Mm-hmm. And if we are truly looking at this match against Portugal like we're a little scared, that's alarming, Josh. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be the undeniable favorite looking for our third straight World Cup title. Right. And if we're worried about not even being able to draw Portugal, that's um, that's a little bit different story right there that the, the best team in the world should not be considering that. It should be how many goals are we going to score on these guys. Yeah. Here's, for those that don't know, um, I haven't seen Portugal play. Uh, this will be my first time tonight. Um, Portugal defeated Vietnam uh, 2-0 in, uh, in their match. That was the last match that they played. Team USA, when, when they beat Vietnam, 3-0. Yep. So not much of a difference. And that goalie played fantastic. Yes. Oh, yeah, you're right. Portugal only lost 1-0 to the Netherlands. Okay. And that's that's not bad. So they kind of played thus far very similar to the USA in terms of output. Right. Um, the only thing that we did that they didn't was score a goal against Netherlands. Right. Uh, USA uh, leveled with uh, with the Netherlands in, in their match 1-1. So why this is all important too. So USA and the Netherlands both are at four points apiece. If they were to tie... It gets to goal differential. Let's say Portugal wins. Portugal moves on. Um, let's say the Netherlands win. Uh, then actually they move on. But in 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 the case of a potential tie, um, actually, I think Team USA would just get in. I'm trying. I'm I'm trying to see about the scenarios here. It sounds like if Team USA just flat out wins, um, they're in. Yep. Um, here we go. Uh, Team USA can advance if they win or draw against Portugal. So you know they have the the goal differential that does work. They just they can't lose. Um, but the only they, really the only team that we're up against right now is Portugal. Yep, yeah, that's right. Because um, Netherlands, it's not up to us. Right. Our position is then between Portugal and Vietnam, and Vietnam has no wins. That's right. So Vietnam's already eliminated. That's right. Um, Portugal is playing. Portugal must win uh, to advance. Netherlands, I believe, is pretty much already in uh, at this point. Um, what are you going to do to stay awake? I don't, I don't know how hard it is to, <laughs> to stay awake. I, I'll, I sound like an old man here. Um, Nine o'clock match. Um, they do a two-hour pre-match on the television, so nine o'clock match should be done by about what eleven. Um, what are you going to do to stay awake and not fall asleep <laughs> between nine and eleven Hawaii time? I don't think I'm going to be watching the two-hour pre-game. No, neither am I. Yeah, yeah. I've I think I I've seen I, enough I, Alexi Lawless to last <laughs> a lifetime. I can't convince my wife, and I'm not going to try to be like, hey, hun. Um, let's watch two hours of pre-match followed by two hours of soccer. I will take the two hours of soccer concession. Yeah. Um, the two hours prior game shows. Okay. NBC's got game shows. Okay. Something like that. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm not doing the pre-match show. I'm sorry. That's, that's, that's too much. And, and really the, you cannot get better than that animal 
um, doing number two on the set oh, of yeah. the Fox pregame That's show. Right. What, instead of predicting a winner, just dropping a load on the artificial grass right. live on TV. What was it? Like a wallaby or something? It was something like a wallaby, yeah. Yeah. Is <laughs> is like, choose USA or the world. And the wallaby said, no, I'm not choosing any. I'm choosing the grass and I'm choosing my bowels. Oh my I'm not choosing anything else. Ratings so, through the roof. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm passing on a two-hour pre-match. Um, oh, man. I, you know, I will admit, once I sit on a couch, I can be good as out. So I might load up on snacks. Mm. Um, I don't think I, I – Super Bowl usually is like chicken wings and stuff. I don't think I'm going to go that far. But, uh, yeah, I might, I might load up on some snacks just to – munch on something while uh while i'm awake watching stuff nice i gotta create some stuff tonight actually just for some other things that i'm oh, working so you're on gonna, you're gonna work and watch yeah i think okay Soccer's a, a good thing to have playing in the background that's true you can kind of listen to it and then the minute the voices start to elevate that's when you know all right tur- turn my attention back and, and watch yes there is one hint Ooh, there is one hint to that though um not all of the matches the announcers are on site. So be mm. careful on like, okay, you, you know, your, your, your interest peaks when the volume goes high, because yeah. I've noticed some of the ones who aren't on site, they're remote calling it from LA and they're like a couple ticks off. So let's say hmm. you're waiting for a potential goal and you're waiting for the announcer's voice to go high voice. Yeah. By the time you catch it, it's very possible you missed the goal. Really? Yes. So there's a delay. There's a slight delay. Okay. It's it's it, it's not supposed to be apparent, but I, I guess because I do it, um, I don't I don't do Remy work, but I uh, Remy being you know remote, but I've seen enough of it that you can tell because if you're if you're there. You you're watching things with your eyes and you have the feel like you have the feel of the crowd. You have the feel of what's going on in front of you. So your your voice will go naturally with you know, the flow of play. If you're in L.A. Yeah. Um, you don't have the feel of the crowd. You don't have the feel of the weather conditions. You don't have the feel of any of that. You're kind of assuming as you're going along and the video is a slight tick off from what the viewer's seeing. And so you're kind of detached and it's a bummer. I also realize there's probably a monetary thing to that too, but it, it's, it's a bummer because you can tell some of those matches, I think they, I think Fox is like three crews on site. Okay. And I think the other three are in LA. So you can tell which ones, um, you know, this crew covering Team USA is on site. I was going to so, say that this one. This one, you don't have to worry. There should be no delay. That's right. Um, some of the other ones, it's unfortunately just kind of apparent. Um, it's also apparent because they also, um, Fox, uh, you know, some of their, um, cable, their, their Major League Baseball games on their, on their cable network, Remy. And they don't think to delay the... The coverage to match that? I don't know what the possibility is. I'm not. I'm not sure what the capabilities are. If we're catching that, you would think a producer for them would catch that. You would think, unless they realize there there's no better way of doing it. That that's kind of okay. If it's a, a half a second off or whatever, they feel like they can live with it. Okay. 
Um, I think I think it's just me um, as someone who does it kind of just knows what it sounds like when it's not when it's not there. Hmm. Um, you know who a good person to ask might be Kanoa Leahy. That's right. Because during the COVID year. And then I think part of the year after that, they were calling they were calling road games for for UH football from um, uh, that's right from, from the studio, yeah. yeah. Um, which I can't be easy. I, no. I've, I've never done it, and I hope I'll never have to do it um, because it it just it, it it feels it just doesn't feel right. Well, especially football where you're having to identify. Um, the marker on the field Mm -hmm. and you're limited to what the broadcast is showing you. You might have like your broadcast feed and you might have another feed separately that the viewer doesn't see. Um, But still you're having to really look close at a screen. Yeah. I'll give you a hint too. So when we had the COVID year of, um, of UH football, uh, we had a backup here on site. So, Let's say if, you know, Bobby and John were on the road. Yep. And let's say something happened, um, whether a feed went out or, or, or whatever. We, we had a contingency plan where we were in studio. We had a remote feed coming back to us from the game site um, on the road, but it, you know, without announcers. It was basically – I don't think it was even the main feed. I think it was just like the all-22. It had the score bug on the bottom, and it was just crowd noise. And if for whatever reason we lost the announcers, we here in studio could have stepped in wow. and called the game um, off of off of the monitor and, you know, with just crowd noise and no announcers. I'm glad it never got to it. Yeah, that would have been wild. Um, but it would have it would have been kind of uncomfortable not having ever done remote stuff before. But you know, another thing to piss off Todd Graham about. <laughs> yeah, um, but sadly, we thought it would kind of end after COVID because COVID that became a lot of the norm. Um, but some have kind of stuck stuck with it. It's a cost cutting thing, hmm. un- unfortunately. In radio. There are two Major League Baseball teams that don't send their radio crews right. on the road. I remember you telling me that. Um, the Angels and uh, and the Blue Jays. Well, if the Angels are saving money, they ought to give that to Shohei. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> that is absolutely right. Uh, by the way, our soccer texter says, uh, inviting all football fans to root for U.S. women's national team with U.S. Outlaws Honolulu chapter. We're the official U.S. soccer supporters group. That's cool. Okay. Um, you know what we need to find out? And maybe there is a a bar or grill or whoever that if Team USA advances, and I, I expect they will, um, maybe there is a bar or grill that be willing to do some advertising and let everybody know where they can watch. Uh, they can do like a USA watch party. Because mm. I'd imagine it, be might cool. be, it might be tough 9 o'clock being a Monday work night. Sure. But some of those matches have been like at 3 o'clock in the afternoon was right. when you know, the first two USA ones were. And it could be, okay, come off of work, come down here, have a you know happy hour. Which is close to East Coast primetime. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, that would be like daytime in Australia and New Zealand where these are more like night matches. Yep. So um, 
You know, if if Team USA wins, uh, let's let's just put that out there. If you if if you've got a, a bar or grill and you're doing a watch party for Team USA in the knockout stage, um, yeah, you should probably do some kind of collaborative stuff on that. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, speaking of collaboration, uh, we are working with uh, uh, Velocity in Honolulu right. for the Craig Angeles Show, which is coming up tomorrow from six to seven. Uh, that is at Velocity. It's all thanks to the JN Group. Also, H-Camp, the Hawaii Concussion Awareness Management Program. Check that out from 6 to 7. It's off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu Traffic right now. It is off the bench here on ESPN Honolulu. Coming up at the top of the next hour, uh, we're going to get back to uh, we're going to get back to. Well, we haven't actually really gotten to the NFL today. Uh, we'll get to the NFL, the Indianapolis Colts situation with Jonathan Taylor, uh, with Kevin Hickey from uh, USA Today Sports' Colts Wire. Uh, that's coming up at the top of the next hour. I mean, it's uh, it's unfortunate we're talking about a running back position that has been um, much talked about. Not necessarily for reasons that these running backs like. And here is a running back in Jonathan Taylor who wants out. He's also apparently dealing with some sort of injury. Jim Irsay doesn't want to trade him. Um, This is getting a little bit messy. It's definitely getting a little dicey. Um, He's got some sort of mysterious back underlying back issue. I like how you put that mysterious. It is. It's kind of all of a sudden. Right. Uh, by the way, the, the NFL is just crickets quiet from the combine till now. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like they, they never learn time management skills on, you know, trades or seeming any kind of action when it comes to these teams where all of a sudden we're three weeks out from the start of the season and oh my goodness, Indianapolis doesn't seem to have a running back. Right. And to me, I'm like, what were you guys doing all of this time? Like, And maybe to them, that that's how they uh, don't pay for you know, staff personnel. They, they keep the building relatively empty and mm-hmm. the, the payroll kind of, kind of lean uh, during the, the offseason. I, I don't know. It's all kind of speculation. But you know what I'm saying, Josh? Uh, yeah, it's like, yeah. well, what were you guys doing all this time when you could have been figuring this out a while ago? I just wonder how we got to this point. Mm. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, you mentioned the, um, you know, all of a sudden back issue. You also have Jim Ursay who's kind of inflamed the situation for all of the running backs yeah. has kind of given some pushback to that running back council that's kind of being created on hey we're we're going to band together and and hold true to what we feel like we're worth and Ursay, you know kind of shouting back with the collective bargaining agreement and what the owners have voted against and saying you know you guys are this is probably as good as you're going to get um it, this is turning into more of a, a dramatic issue right now than 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 otherwise. Don't you think though that the more this stuff happens, you know, okay, Jonathan Taylor's got some sort of injury, uh, you got another running back out. The more this stuff happens, doesn't it prove the league's GMs and owners right? 
that, okay, we don't know if they can last past. I, I always use the age of 28. We don't know if they can last past the age of 28. Here we are, you know, dealing with another running back with another injury. Jonathan Taylor's not happy. That's a separate issue. But here we are wondering what we can get out of this running back. Doesn't it almost um, maybe not to the point of what Jim Irsay said, but doesn't it almost like you know, validate why running backs, very few of them are paid really well? Hmm. Um, I, I guess... I, I, I want to try to get there with you, but I, I feel like if you have a stud employee, okay, let's just look at it from like the world perspective and business rather than from a sports perspective. You're going to do whatever you can to, to keep that guy mm-hmm. because he embodies and is worth to your organization sometimes that of two employees, sometimes even three I mean, you can't tell me Christian McCaffrey is just worth one guy. You know, he's an exception to the rule. You know what I mean? And so I almost wonder, you know, if you're a top 10 running back in the league, which Jonathan Taylor surely is, it's dumbfounding at this point why you wouldn't just support him. Well, I, I would look at it this way. You know, as compared to like a normal business where, um, it is very often you can exceed, well, you can set a goal, um, and you can always move the goal, the goal post, if you're a boss, because you know the way you view that is a little bit different. It, when it when it comes to football, a lot of that is yardage. Um, you know, if if you have a running back who, let's say, one year has got a you know, thirteen hundred yard season, next year less than eleven hundred, and you're kind of wondering, okay, are we? Did he peak? Um, is he going to be able to get back to where he was before? Is he missing any games? Mm. Um, that's not a great way to think about it, but with a, a lot of money on the line and, and the production there, you can't help but think about it. You know, in in a in a position that does take a lot of hits. Yeah. Um, you know, if you've peaked out at twenty five, and all of a sudden you've got three hundred less yards at twenty six than you did at twenty five. I could see a team wondering, okay, well, why, why should we pay top dollar for this guy? Is there a younger guy that we can bring into the league that can accomplish what this guy did before? Hmm. It sounds harsh, I realize. No, I, I, I'm trying to think about it from a, an NFL executive's mindset, but we're also talking about multi-billionaires here yeah. who high road guys who – have put the team on their back. And sure, some would argue that's their job, but it's tricky for me. Sports Center, Kevin Hickey on the way next. Marcus Spears earlier on NFL Live on ESPN television. Uh, this is all surrounding uh, Jonathan Taylor and uh, his interest in going, getting out of Indianapolis. And then um, basically Jim Ursay. Adding um, adding fuel to a two-alarm fire by texting different reporters and basically saying, eh, you know, life would go on. Um, it is – Marcus Spears calls it disrespect. 
Um, he's absolutely correct. I mean, Jim Ursay said, you know, we're not going to we're, we're not going to trade uh, Taylor. He said, quote, we will not trade Jonathan Taylor. That is a certainty. Not now, not or not now or in October. Hmm. That is um, that's that's a pretty, um, pretty big thing to say. Oh, and the quote. So I don't forget it. He said, and I quote, if I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor is out of the league, no one's going to miss us. The league goes on. We know that the National Football League rolls on. It doesn't matter who comes and who goes. And it's a privilege to be a part of it. Close quote. Oddly worded, um, I I think, by Jim Ursay, and that gives us an opportunity to bring in Kevin Hickey uh, from USA Today Sports' Colts Wire. He joins us now, as all of our guests do, courtesy of the Aloha Kia hotline. Visit alohakia.com at alohakia. You know a guy. So, Kevin, I've read the words. Uh, How are those words playing right now? Yeah, it's it's not great, to say the least. I mean, it's, it's been a wild week. And Coltsland. I mean, it, it seems like I've been covering this team for this is my seventh season now, and it seems like every year there's something that happens. There's some kind of drama, right? And this one's been by far the most wild. It seems like every 12 hours we're getting something new added to this story. So the quotes that Jim Irsay has had, they're not great. You know, they don't help the situation. I think both sides are kind of guilty in, in that sense of, not being able to play this down and, and keeping it from being a public matter. They've both kind of continued to just throw fuel onto the fire and make this a bigger issue than it really should be. So, yeah, I mean, those quotes from Jim Irsay, they're, you know, Jim Irsay is always going to speak his mind. And, you know, that's something that he's not afraid to do. But it definitely did not – it hasn't come off well, and the situation definitely doesn't look like it's ending anytime soon. Well, I was going to say, you know, you talk about there being some sort of drama. More often than not, that drama does center around Jim Irsay, doesn't it? Sometimes. Um, you know, I mean, I, you know, if you go back to last season with the whole Jeff Saturday thing and, you know, him kind of making that impulsive decision to fire Frank Reich and only hire – Jeff Saturday, right? So, like, we have those recent examples. But, I mean, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I mean, covering the Colts is like, you've got to be on your toes all the time. So, um, yeah, I mean, sometimes Jim Irsay does, you know, he, he doesn't really help his case, but he does a lot of good um, for the team, for the for the community. But this is a situation where it's like, it, it seems everything that new comes out is just, it makes everything worse step by step. It just continues to get worse and it doesn't look like it's going to get better. Give us an idea of what's going on with Jonathan Taylor. I mean, not, not the part of him wanting out of Indy, but where this apparently apparent injury uh, may have come from. And then of course, what seems to be kind of the back and forth with apparently uh, the talk being that maybe they'd put him on the non football injury list which would keep him from getting paid it, it seems like this is a, a back and forth that only you know really you know fuels this even more what what do we know about that yeah absolutely i mean it's it first it, it started with the offseason the ankle surgery that he had in january right they called it a uh debrisment or something and it's basically where a procedure where you go in and clean clean up the ankle clean up you know scar tissue stuff like that it's very common after a high ankle sprain um he missed all the spring, which was kind of expected. You know, he's a running back. A lot of teams nowadays, just considering the fragility of the position, they want to keep their guys fresh, so they don't they don't do as much work in the spring. So that wasn't 
a red flag at all. But when he was put on the PUP list to start camp, it's like, all right, this is six months now that Jonathan Taylor, you know, supposedly hasn't done anything and he's still not cleared. He still hasn't passed his physical from this surgery. So, you know, is it, an, is it the ankle? And then this thing comes out about the back, which in my opinion was out of left field. I mean, I, we've never heard anything about Jonathan Taylor having back issues. Um, you know, this is a guy who up until last year had not missed a practice, had not missed a game going back to high school. So and I, I, that was a big story when he missed his first practice last year. So I'll be honest, I, the, the back injury thing was odd. It was surprising. I didn't, you know, I, I haven't heard anything about that or read anything about that from his history from the off season. So it was very surprising. Um, but, you know, Colts right now are trying to do everything they can to kind of hold that leverage that they have over him and, and not paying him is that's the biggest way to, to get him back on the field. Kevin Hickey joining us, USA Today Sports' Colts Wire. He's with us like all of our guests are, courtesy of the Aloha Kia Hotline. Kev, for those of us that know football, the running game opens up the passing game and vice versa. Do, do you really feel that if they are able to kind of play this hard ball with Taylor and not really sure who that RB2 is, that running game will create the space for Anthony Richardson to allow him to truly shine in this new offense? I mean, it, they work off of each other, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it, it's never it's never really one thing that, I mean, sometimes you do have a, a great running game that will help the quarterback, but Anthony Richardson's rushing ability alone is going to be a threat for defenses to account for. So, you know, I think the the whole idea of this, you know, total rushing package with Anthony Richardson and, uh, you know, in theory, Jonathan Taylor, who's this stellar running back when he's healthy, I think the idea of that combination is it's incredibly enticing. So, you know, right now the the backfield is in flux. I mean, it. it I think Zach Mossy broke his wrist today in practice, so he's going to be out at least six. I think they said four to six weeks is probably the timeline. So, you know, you're looking at Evan Hole, who they drafted in the sixth round this year, Deion Jackson, who's kind of been a uh, you know, a fringe RB3 guy, special teams guy for them, can catch the ball to the backfield. And then, you know, another guy, Jake Funk and uh, Xavier Scott, who's an undrafted rookie free agent, kind of a Swiss Army knife kind of guy. But, you know, without Jonathan Taylor, without Zach Moss, this is a very inexperienced room, and it's a room that you're losing a lot of explosiveness, you're losing a lot of experience to go along with that, you know, inexperience that Anthony Richardson brings, right? You're going to have a lot of growing pains, and you want to be able to have that sense of security in the backfield. Someone's got to budge, right? I mean, we just saw it with Saquon Barkley. He he budged in New York and came back in on a deal that's somewhat similar to what the franchise tag was. Um, at mm. some point, who do you think is going to be the one that budges, or do you think anyone budges? I mean, in, in my opinion, I it feels like the Colts have the leverage, right? Because they can find him. They can if Jonathan Taylor wants to hold out and make a statement, they can find him. They can find him a lot of money, and you know, I think him being on the PUP right now kind of, you know, avoids that scenario. And I think it would be a worst case scenario where he would hold out. But, you know, I, I think once, once he starts getting fined, it's going to be harder for him to, to really, you know, keep that holdout going. And then if they do somehow put him on the NFI list and he winds up missing six games, his contract tolls, which means it just gets pushed back one more year. So this whole situation would be, or not. I mean, it would, he would literally just be pushing it back a calendar year. So, 
you know, I, I think the Colts have the leverage right now. And if I, you know, if I had to guess, I would assume Jonathan Taylor would eventually kind of give in and be like, you know what, I'll just play this year and then we'll see where, you know, I obviously would leave Indy after this year if it came to that. But I mean, it's it, right now it feels like the Colts have leverage simply because of the money factor. You, you mentioned calendar year, but when I look at the AFC South right now, it's kind of a battle between Jacksonville and Tennessee. And then I, I'm sorry, my brother, but it's you guys in Houston at, at the bottom of uh, the AFC South. I mean, do, could you foresee the front office still looking at this as a rebuild year with the way that they're kind of handling this? Or do you think that they could still see this year as a way to win now? I mean, I think teams in front offices are always trying to win now. You know, I think they you, you understand that, hey, maybe our Super Bowl chances are not as great as other teams, but, you know, they're always going to try to win. That being said, I I mean, I agree. I, I think it is the, the Titans and, you know, the Jaguars at the top. And then, you know, I don't think the Colts are necessarily – I mean, I think they're probably competing for a top-five pick next year. But I think they'll be competitive in the sense that, they're not going to be getting blown out every week because if you do get a little surprise from Anthony Richardson or even if Gardner Minshew starts the season, you know, he's a capable bridge starter. The defense is decent enough. It's good enough. You have questions in the secondary, but the pass rush in the front seven should be the strength of that unit, and they're going into the second year with Gus Bradley. So, you know, I think they'll be competitive, but, yeah, I mean, I think they're probably competing for a top-five pick next year. Lastly, uh, what does QB1 look like right now in Indy? So right now it's pretty much a split. Um, I think it was Gardner Minshew had the slight lead over him, and just in terms of reps with the first team offense, um, you know they're they're not going to give Anthony Richardson too much on his plate. You know, even as as eager and as hungry as he is to learn everything. I mean, he had a uh, I think he had a a nose procedure done on Sunday, uh, so he missed practice on Monday. But he was literally, you know, he had a, a brace on his nose, and he was trying to do as much as he could on the field today. They basically had to, like, keep him from getting onto the field because he was trying to do so much. So, you know, you love to see that eagerness. You love to see that enthusiasm. Um, you know, he's got a long he's, – he's got a, a ways to go in terms of, you know, just he's just an inexperienced. So, right now, it, it seems like Gardner Minshew has a slight lead, but if he – if Anthony Richardson starts showing, like, hey, you know, I can hold my own during preseason games, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's starting week one. Kevin Hickey, you can check out his work at Colts Wire from USA Today Sports. Kevin, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Awesome. I appreciate you guys having me on anytime. I appreciate it. Kevin and all of our guests appear courtesy of the Aloha Kia hotline. Visit alohakia.com. At Aloha Kia, you know a guy. So what it sounds like to me is the running back situation is some not the least of but it's one of many concerns that the Colts need to figure out here uh, before things get underway here with uh, pre uh, preseason games in what two weeks? Yeah, I think the uh, famous Chicago Fire is actually down in somewhere in Indianapolis now. Wow, it was a it wasn't great, but it was something. Not St. Elmo's Fire. No, 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 different one, different fire, different okay. fire. The Great Chicago Fire. Tell those that don't know the reference. Yeah, I think you guys, including a, me, I think you guys had different textbooks than than us. <laughs> okay, what? What? Well, I don't know that we had we learned about the Chicago Fire here mm. in Hawaii, but with, uh, with back in the early this? 1900s, back when buildings were purely made out of wood, there uh, was 
an actual fire that broke out in Chicago that burned like three quarters of the city down. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's why we have an MLS team named the Chicago Fire now. Gotcha. Yep. Is that also why uh, NBC has a show called Chicago Fire? I think... To go along with Chicago PD? They might be uh, kind of uh, honoring, you know, the past or whatever in the history. But, yeah, and... That that show ER back in the nineties that was that yeah. was about a hospital in downtown Chicago and so I don't know I think they're trying to revive some of that. Remember ER was big back then. Big that was like my mom's favorite show. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, don't forget about the pigskin pig out. Not to not to get away from nineties TV. Yeah. Uh, but the pigskin pig out is coming up on August sixteenth at Murphy's Bar and Grill. This is going to be the 26th edition of the event with a roasted pig dinner, beverages, and a great auction. Get your tickets now at Murphy's or HawaiiBowlFoundation.org. Traffic here. It's off the bench. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu. All right. Sports Center update and another look at traffic is coming up in minutes. We've been spending time on running backs. Uh, Patrick texts us via our Zephyr Insurance text line. Um, seemingly, the example maybe being set on uh, how we're dealing with running backs in the NFL. Patrick says, just remember, Jerry Jones paid Ezekiel Elliott. He got his contract and never performed. At the time, he was the best running back in the NFL. It's the whole Ezekiel Elliott paradox, which is why owners don't want to pay running backs. It's the sad reality. Ezekiel Elliott's not on a team right now. That's right. That, that's a great text, Patrick. It, I think the league is paying more attention to running backs maybe solely because of what happened with the Cowboys and Zeke Elliott. I think he's the case-in-point example of – Hey, if you give the the honor contract or the the thank you contract, mm-hmm. it it may not actually give you that ROI, and that's one thing that NFL execs care about is a return on their investment. And by the way, he's twenty eight. Mm. That I, I that's my magic number on running backs, and uh, I mean it, it's it's sad because he was, and I use the word sad. It's disappointing. Because at one point, he was arguably the best running back in the NFL. I made the argument that I would have taken care of Ezekiel Elliott first and Dak Prescott second. Because I felt that's how important Zeke was to that Dallas Cowboys offense. Zeke was what Saquon Barkley is Mm -hmm. to the Giants. Right. I I think. Um, I've got an interesting question for you, Josh. All right. With the current... current, temperature for running backs in the league we like to play the hypothetical game yes we do on this show sports talk loves hypotheticals would you say emmett smith's all-time rushing record might be the safest record in all of sports now Ooh, um probably i think so too probably imagine it was kareem's record but now it's lebron and they had an imaginary, once you reach 33 in the NBA, we will no longer keep you around because, hey, look, we can replace you with 
the next up-and-comer out of college. 18,355 rushing yards. Emmett Smith. Just put that into context with the way running backs are being kind of thrown around now. Yeah. It's almost like you'd be lucky to get 10. Yeah. Where's where's Derrick Henry at right now? Uh, Derrick Henry is... Uh, I'll have to find it. I have... Uh, who Adrian Peterson's got to be the highest active. Uh, well, I don't think Adrian Peterson's active anymore. Well, I think he's looking for a team. Yeah. Well, he's at 14,918. Wow. Um, he last played in 2021. I don't see anybody currently that has over 11,000. Wow. So what? that's 7,000 more. Yeah. That you would need to get, which with great production, that's at least seven more years. Derrick Henry's at 8,335. He's not even at 10 in yet. In seven years. Wow. That's crazy. And, I mean, I, I don't I, – he'll. I think he'll get to 10,000. I don't know how much farther past 10,000 he'll get. And, you know, he's played – he's 29. What? I mean, he he could be the next, like, Frank Gore. Uh, when you get to the th- mid-30s, potentially. I hate to say what I'm about to, but if we keep heading down this trajectory, we might end up having just running or blocking only running backs. Possibly. You're just another pass protector back there. It's like the fullback. That's right. And then it, you need to have hands to be incorporated into the offense. If that's where we're heading in football, that's really, really sad. It is. Um, but what do we blame for that? I mean, if, if that's where we end up going, like something's got to blame. Is it the physicality of, of defenses that have made it harder for running backs? Is it the fact that many offenses now want to throw first and run later? Um, hmm. What is it? Yeah. It, if you're just running the ball, it's probably not good for ratings because generally just running the ball, you're not going to score as many points. Mm-hmm. And I mean, ratings in modern media. Right. Um, I think that there's a lot to play with that, but this is the ugly cocktail that we're kind of left with. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know if. I mean, a really good running back that can make. I mean, a Barry Sanders type. Yeah. Love watching him. Oh, of course. Derek. Hen- Derek Henry. Love watching him run. Absolutely. Love him with the truck stick through defenders. Throwing people down with his stiff arm. But I think that's the point, too, that almost makes the point. Those running backs are the ones that defy the current logic of the, of the position. Yeah. Um, you know, Christian McCaffrey catching passes out of the backfield, his just pure speed. Yeah. I mean. Saquon's agility. There's, what, five running backs that yeah. maybe hit it's, that? It's It's a short list. Yeah. And it's only going to get shorter unless the league or offensive coordinators care to try to involve an, a, a running back a bit more. We'll get traffic in here. Sports Center is on the way as well. You're listening to Off the Bench. Hunter Hughes, Josh Pacheco, ESPN Honolulu. All right, uh, final words coming up in uh, about 20 minutes. Hunter Hughes on something he saw in baseball he wasn't necessarily thrilled about, and uh, me on soccer that I really enjoyed over the weekend. 
Uh, that's coming up in just a little while. We've been talking about running backs. I do want to go to our uh, Zephyr Insurance text line at uh, 808-296-1420. Uh, Scott texts in talking about running backs um, and the lack of interest in them. Must be fantasy football. Wide receivers are way more valuable in the PPR league. Mm. I mean, I'm very careful about trying to make it seem like, oh, fantasy football is is impacting the way the game is actually played. I'd like to believe it's the other way around. Um, Running backs are valuable when you find the one that can catch a ball out of the backfield and can kind of rack up those points. Because if not, uh, you don't always have a running back that's going to run for three touchdowns in a game. Um, So I'm hesitant when people say, oh, it's fantasy football's fault. Eh, Not necessarily. Um, The game still dictates fantasy football, as it always has when fantasy football's been around. Now, on a similar note, I feel like marketing and... Jersey sales and that X factor, if you will. Okay. Um, let's specifically look at Saquon Barkley's um, case. You can't tell me that his significance to the Giants, his significance to the city, that fan base, doesn't play a role in helping him get a little bit more for that contract. I I I I have to think that at the end of the day that they're worried about making money. Mm-hmm. They will make more money with Saquon Barkley as their running back. Agreed. They will sell more tickets. They'll sell more jerseys with him back there than some new guy from Texas Tech or something. Mm-hmm. Um I I really do feel like that there's a handful of players around the league. It's it's not everybody, but if you're one of those guys, if you're a, a single namer, you're okay, like untouchable. You know who Saquon is when we talk about him. Dak. That's right. At the time, Zeke. Yeah. Henry. C Mac. There we go. Like, if you are marketable at that upper echelon of NFL guys, they that that in itself is worth something to NFL executives to have one of those guys on your team. And by the way, when I say C-Mac, I don't mean Chris McLaughlin. No, no, no. I mean Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey. Um, Yeah, I mean, the NFL is definitely about about marketing uh, for sure, but it's not like they necessarily need the marketing money. They're yanking in millions on – new stuff on television every year. I think what what did I hear they're they're going to get to like a a plateau on on their deal. What was it like uh they're already making past a billion dollars in television rights. I want to say there was a number higher above that they were hitting that mark here with new money. I mean it's incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Um but yeah, I mean I think that gives you a little bit of leverage. I mean, look, Zeke was highly marketable. I mean, if we want to play the the, the one-name game, Zeke was marketable, and I think um, I'm I'm pretty sure the injury got in the way, and he went from, oh, Zeke, to Zeke. Yeah. 
I mean, I still think with running backs, um, Christian McCaffrey is the trendsetter now for what a running back is going to look like in the league. I think, uh, you know, I think of Hawaii's running back situation. You know, Hawaii's running back or running backs are not just rushers. Like, they're going to have to be – they're going to be involved in some some pass blocking here and there. But they need need to be able to catch – you know, catch a football really well. Uh, they may be called upon to do that in in the flats, or if you're you know kind of cutting out toward the middle of the field for a little you know short route, um, they're going to be required to do that because running the football may not be the most important thing that they do on the field. Hmm. Yeah, um, Tylen Hines, uh, Bryant Lillet, um Johnson, all, all those guys. They're they're required to do multiple things. Right. And a lot of those guys, running backs in general at UH, are usually leaned on on special teams as well, mm-hmm. which always bodes well for them at the next level because they're kind of jack-of-all-trades, Swiss Army knife kind of value-giving value, value giving assets to whatever team they end up on. Uh, so it, it really bodes well for them. And that, unfortunately is what A-list running backs in the NFL are being leaned on as well um, for now. Like, you you need to be seen as crazy value givers to your franchise. Um, and it's it, it's crazy to think about because we're, 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 we're talking about a completely different style of football if, if this goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we, we give – honestly, Josh, we give way too much credit to quarterbacks – Okay, like for for instance, QB drops back and he throws a screen. Okay, the screen itself was a one yard pass completion. The O line goes out there and blocks it perfectly, and then the running back plays absolutely phenomenal, world class athleticism to weave his way through the defense. Maybe even runs through somebody, scores a touchdown. What does it go down as? Passing touchdown. Passing touchdown. Yeah. Unless it's thrown behind the line of scrimmage. But all the credit gives is given right back to the quarterback mm-hmm. when he did very little. Right. It's one of the easiest things, like as a quarterback, to take a one-step drop and float pass over to your running back. So, it's again, it, it's all about marketing. It, it's all about that kind of stuff. And there is so much on a game-to-game that is – put on the shoulders of the running back that I, I feel like they, they need, they need more, um, they need to be given more appreciation in terms of, in terms of money. So how do we do that? I mean, I, I still, I mean, I, I don't, there's been nothing to me that has been done in the last week and a half ever since we've had the whole, you know, uh, franchise tag stuff. I'm still waiting for one situation to say, hey, um, we're going to prove this whole running back thing wrong. We're going to prove that about how the league is treating running backs, how teams are treating running backs, how we're getting not enough respect in these contracts, how we're getting franchise tagged, et cetera, that we are being wronged. And I'm still waiting for one situation to prove, you know, even me, uh, wrong, that they shouldn't be treated or valued the way that they are. Taylor's hurt. Zeke doesn't have a team. 
Barkley came in with about one or two million over the franchise tag. Um, you know, Jacob still isn't reporting to 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 Las Vegas. He wants something bigger. I mean, I'm waiting for something outside of the Ecklers, outside of the McCaffreys, because I we know those are viable commodities for years. Outside of the Derrick Henrys, I'm waiting for something to come out from somewhere to say, we're going to prove you differently. This is going to prove differently. This proves differently that running backs should be given more value. Yeah, I think I think if you have crept your way up into the top 10, which Taylor is, mm-hmm. he deserves that. He deserves that next three or four year contract mm-hmm. that will get him to that what you'd call the magic number twenty eight. Right. You know? I I think he's done enough so far. I mean, he was literally in the MVP conversation in twenty twenty one. Yeah. Here the um so the devil's advocate thing to that, and and I'm with you. I would put Jonathan Taylor in, in my top seven. You know, I would I would be willing to to pay him a ton. I'm reminded away from running backs. I'm reminded of Bill Belichick and offensive linemen Mm. that if he felt like an offensive lineman gave him all he could, you know, getting older, though, getting into his mid 30s and still has value that find a way to trade that offensive lineman. He did at one point. I don't remember which offensive lineman it was, um, but did. Got a trade, I think, with uh, with Tampa Bay. It was either Tampa Bay or the Jets. Hmm. Um, because you knew, okay, the offensive lineman's hit his 30s. Probably not going to get much better than what he is. Still has some value. Okay, let's get some, let's get some value back for him. Um, so with Taylor, and I, I'm, I'm just – getting the numbers now because I, you just kind of hit it for me. So Taylor has, you know, this this amazing season, right? I think we mentioned he's 26, right? Yep. Jonathan Taylor comes off of a year in which he had, in 2021, he had 1,800 yards. That was, you know, a, a league lead, 18 touchdowns. Um, he's been the best playmaker since he was drafted in in 2020. So we we know all of that, right? 2021 was his was his huge coming out party. breakout year. Yep. Last year, what happens? He plays only 11 games. His rushing number is at 861. So, you know, I I look at from the Colts' perspective, and by the way, Jonathan, there's 24. I look at the Colts' perspective. He's played three years. He went from 1,100 yards to 1,800 yards to missing six games last year and rushing for 861. I mean, he did average um, through – I mean, if you're going by 11 games, that's an average of almost 80 yards a game, which is not bad. Um, But that's an almost 1,000-yard drop. So – you know, if he's healthy, now let's let's play the standard. If he's healthy and he can play 17 games, do you believe he's going to get to 1,800 yards? And if you don't believe he can, then you you're basically admitting he's hit his peak, and that's tough because and it's tough because the Colts situation is different because yeah. they don't have a quarterback that's going to help expand the running game. So Jonathan Taylor is automatically going to lose there. 
See, I think eighteen hundred's a steep. It is. I agree. A steep benchmark. I yeah. think your benchmark is probably right around a thousand. Man, if your benchmark is a thousand, yeah. that says everything we need to know about the running game in in the National Football League in general. Well, a great game is if you're getting over a hundred yards, right? So that's ten games. You're hitting a thousand yards. So if you're yeah. going to if you're going a great game, you have a hundred yards every game. That's seventeen hundred. So. Let's do – I know, but that that's a great game every game, Josh. So like if we're okay, doing true. 17 games at 75 each, that's 1,200. Yeah. Okay, so if you're averaging 1,700 – or sorry, if you're, if you're averaging 75 a game, I think that's great production for a running back. Okay. Especially for – man, the Colts were horrible. Yeah, they the, were. That's so much riding on one guy. That's unfair. And yeah. comparing it to a career year of 18, 1800, that, that it's that's tricky. It is. You no, know, you're right. Um, I think when you set the bar like that, I mean, I don't expect you to hit eighteen hundred yards. Yeah, but you raise your expectation from well, let's say a thousand. I think you have to add a couple of hundred yards onto that because sure. you know, let's call it twelve. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Seventy five. Yards a game. Your expectation now, if you're Indianapolis, if you were to bring him back, is that his production has to make up for whether it's Minshew or Ellinger, whoever it is, his production's got to make up for what you probably will lack at that that QB position. You're going to have to ask him to carry the load offensively and be productive in what feels like an impossible situation because you really are going to be um, uh, uh, only dynamic on one part of that offense. That's hard. Mm. And then you, you, you're you going to expect him to be available. And is he going to really be able to last for 17 games through that? And we don't know this whole back issue. Yeah. And that's See, that's the hard part. His back hurts from carrying the team. <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's what it is. That's just such the hard part is – we feel like, and maybe it's because guys like Derrick Henry and, and McCaffrey and, and Eckler are exceptions to the rule. They're not the rule. They're the exceptions. So when we talk about Jonathan Taylor two years after a career year, we almost feel like every time one of these running backs is in a contract situation, we feel like we have to justify it. We have to justify whether the running back deserves it or we have to justify whether ownership is right. Like, with, with Saquon, we had to justify Saquon, you know, the franchise tag because Saquon was hurt. Saquon's been hurt at times, but we also know Saquon is a dynamic running back. When healthy, he is top five, undoubtedly. Um, but when you have the injuries creep into place, all of a sudden now you've got to weigh it all to to try to figure out like, okay. Um, Who's in the right here? Who, who, what, what are you determining, uh, and what do you weigh to make this look correct? It's hard. Uh, final words coming up. Want to remind you about athletes. It's uh, brought to you by Central Pacific Bank, Hawaii's best bank. Hawaii quarterback Braden Shager talking with our Cole Mouseoff and eating food at Ruby Tuesday. That's uh, athletes. It's on our website, ESPNHonolulu.com, and on our YouTube page. Final words, including baseball and soccer, next.
right, Freddie and Fitzsimmons is uh, coming up next. It's going to be a uh, late night. We've got soccer tonight, so you're going to work and watch. I think so. Team USA and Portugal. I am going to not work. I'm just tired of working today. Yep. It's been been a long day. Um, I'm just going to watch and snack because that's how I'm not going to fall asleep. Uh, Team USA, Portugal, 9 o'clock tonight. Uh, that's 3 a.m. Eastern time, and that is like evening time uh, in Australia. Team USA, a win or a draw uh, will get them onto the knockout stage at the FIFA Women's World Cup. Oh, my, like I said earlier, um, if if Team USA advances and there is a bar and grill that is doing a uh, you know, Team USA watch party, I want to know about it. Maybe we can uh, can do some advertising, get that word out there, get people going. Because I don't, I don't remember. Um, I don't, I don't know what the bracket looks like for when they would play, but uh, I think it would, I think it would probably be this weekend. Uh, I think is what it is. So um, that would that would allow us some time to kind of prepare for that. So uh, yeah, if you're a bar and grill owner and you want to, uh, you want to, you want to do that, uh, do it. Do it. it out. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, final words. You're first, Hunter. All right. Uh, the Orioles and the Toronto Blue Jays were playing earlier today. And Toronto's shortstop, Bo Bichette, who's a definitely up-and-coming rising star in baseball, mm-hmm. kind of got that long, wavy hair, big arm, good hitter, um, rounding first base after looked like a, you know, a double and – Rounding the bag, it looked like he tweaked his knee. And so, obviously, I want him to get better. He took about three steps past first base and then just stood there and went down and kind of grabbed his knee a little bit, and obviously he was in pain. He just stood there. And for for those that are listening, if you've never played baseball before, if you're not on the base and they tag you, you're out. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what happened. The Orioles just walked over, tagged him out as if he was incapable of hopping back to first base and getting a a pinch runner out there to take his position or something. It was one of the most selfish things I have seen in a long time, Josh. And, and, And some would say, oh, you know, he was injured. Well, you can find a way back to the bag. You can find a way to make it not about you and help your team out a little bit. Mm-hmm. That, that that was the most nearsighted, selfish thing that I've seen in a while. And I don't want to generalize too much because not all up-and-coming athletes are like this. But it does seem like the egos of the modern athlete are, are a lot like him. You know, yeah. until I play like Zion <laughs> – <laughs> Again, will, will I come back and play with the team? Which it, means not much. Golly, it it is it's infuriating, Josh, because you're you're making a team sport all about you. When guys of old, Lou Gehrig played years with a debilitating disease where he couldn't use some of his his limbs, yeah, and still went out there and played the Iron Horse. I just it's it it's frustrating, Josh, and I, I hope that that part. Of sports changes for sure. Uh, my final words on soccer. By the way, uh, Team USA, if they advance, um, they would play on Saturday. Hmm. Um, if they win the group, it would be Saturday. I think this is at four o'clock. 
if they uh, lose the group, it would be Saturday or not lose the group. If they finish second of the group, it'd be Saturday at like eleven o'clock at night. Hmm. Um, be awake for that. <laughs> so uh, my my phone's all Siri's trying or, to set an alarm. Yeah, uh, my my Apple Watch is like you are not sleeping. Uh, this is going in like in like my when I, if I f- wake up with this and it literally is like vibrating my wrist. <laughs> that's what it's going to do to me. Nine o'clock. Uh, or no, 10 o'clock after halftime. Are you not awake? That's what my watch is going to do to me. <laughs> um, my final words, though, on uh, on the FIFA Women's World Cup. Um, I watched a bunch this weekend, and uh, there were some really, really good, good things I got to watch. For example, uh, Morocco, with its first ever FIFA World Cup win, not only its first ever FIFA World Cup win, its first ever goal wow. in the FIFA World Cup, the first ever win, um, first player to wear a hijab mm. in uh, FIFA Women's World Cup history, all in that one match uh, when they defeated South Korea. And granted, they they don't advance; um, their time is done. But um, you know, that sir. was that was uh, wow, yeah, that was impressive to watch. Colombia, on that very same night, Colombia took on Germany. Germans are supposed to be one of the best at playing soccer, right? Uh, Colombia goes in. They have the lead. Germany takes it back. I think it was on a PK. Hmm. Penalty kick, for those that don't know. Nice. And then an extra time, Colombia gets a header off of a um, off of a corner kick to knock off Germany. Incredible match. And, and then, and then Germany's yeah, oh, sorry. big. Yeah, the, I, I had them pegged along with the Netherlands and Australia to be physical enough to take take on USA. That's right. And then um, yesterday, Zambia, mm. another African nation. Never really had Zambia on my radar in soccer. They defeated Costa Rica. Wow. Um, this FIFA World Cup is providing uh, a lot of surprises. A lot of surprises. So, um, yeah, uh, Portugal, USA, that is uh, 9 o'clock Hawaii time along with Vietnam and the Netherlands, uh, also at 9 o'clock Hawaii time. And then if you want to stay up even later at 1 a.m., I won't. Me neither. China and England, Haiti and Denmark. But just try, just for the fun of it. See how you'll see me tomorrow at 3 o'clock. You'll be like, Huge bags under my eyes. What's wrong with you? I stayed up. More than that, Hunter. And I'll see you tomorrow. Freddie and Fitzsimmons is coming up next.